Good morning. Our scripture lesson today comes from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Perseverance in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought of what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Know if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Carl, indeed, for reading that scripture, the Word of God. So very, very special. Good morning, my friends. God, it's good to see you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming. You know, our Lord lives in each one of you. And as we gather together, I think of his presence in many ways in this wonderful building, but in the lives and hearts of each of you, and it's so good to see you, and thank you for coming and being here. Our music, amen, you love it? Uh, Can you hear me okay out there? Gotcha, love you back there. Uh, And I want to say a a really a special welcome to, to to a new friend and a dear friend who's sitting right here with me. Uh, my, my good friend is Jan Moss, and forgive me if I mispronounce it, but he is from Belgium. It just, I don't know if you've been to Belgium. Beautiful, beautiful place. And there he is, indeed, a teacher of religion in the Roman Catholic Church. And he's visiting with us, and he's taking in uh, some of the churches and the services within our country and in our area. It's so good to have you. Thank you for sharing your moment with God with us. My friends, I don't normally wear a tie to this service, right? You know, young young pastors now, they've gotten away from ties. But you have to realize I'm old and I'm old-fashioned. And so for 50 years, I preached with coat and tie. That's just what I did. That was part of my uniform. Well, I got rid of the coat, which I thank you for. But I left the tie on because 
it's a very special tie. And every time I have a story coming out of my good friend Charlie Brown, I wear his tie. And I take him to the very best places. I don't know of any better place than being with you this morning. So I'm leaving my tie on. I appreciate it. Indeed. Well, speaking of Charlie Brown, uh, I got a cartoon. Is it on the screen? God love you. Thank you. Well, you see, my friend Charlie, he's going to help me get this sermon started. This sermon about expressing love. Carl read you this, this great chapter on love. Let love be genuine. Talked about goodness, over, overcoming evil. What did he say? What God say? How you come over evil? Overcome it with good. And what's good? Well, we're going to tie good and love together. Anyway, let's start with Charlie. Charlie's my friend. I love that boy. Uh, I want you to know I relate to Charlie Brown. I had a Lucy in my life, and I don't know if you had a Lucy in yours. But anyway, Lucy is chasing Charlie. You got it? And Lucy says, I'll get you, Charlie Brown. I'll get you. I'll knock your block off. And old Charlie's running. Wait a minute. He stops. He turns around. Hold everything, he says. We can't carry on like this. We have no right to act this way. The world is filled with problems. People hurting other people. People not understanding other people. Now, if we as children can't solve what are relatively minor problems, how can we ever expect to pile? She hits him. She flattens Charlie. You see? She flattens Charlie. Pile. He's laying on the ground. Lucy turns and says, I had to hit him quick. He was beginning to make sense. (laughs) Poor Charlie. He was making sense, wasn't he? He was making sense, indeed. But you know, that hitting him, flattening him because he was making sense, that's exactly, that's exactly what the closed-minded people of the first century did to Jesus. And in some way, for 2,000 years ago, we still doing it. They hit him quick for the cross. Because it's going to make sense. Church, they want to hear that. You know, if you don't want to love somebody and, and he tells you, you know, this is, this is where it's going to be. You need to do this. We, don't want, we didn't want to hear that. They didn't want their, their kind of small and narrow and rigid ways uh, they didn't want to be open to learning new things. All he said, hey, what did he say, church? All he said is, love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself in a proper way. That's what he said. But they didn't want to listen to that. They were so infuriated by that, they were so angry, refused to listen, and even more, they sought to silence Jesus. We get rid of him. We nail him to the cross. We'll hush him up. He's gone. That's what they did. And that's what they did indeed. Well, some years ago, George Bush Sr. called upon America to be a kinder, a kinder, gentler nation. Have we followed that advice? No, we really haven't, have we, folks? 
You know, look at the, look at the, well, you know, look at the entertainment business, how violent that can be, the movies. You know, look at uh, the politics of the policy. Look at America. What's going on in America today? You know, think about it. Look at the news media. Look at the news media. What's the philosophy, church, of the news media today? If it bleeds, it leads. That's what sells. You know, got to get those ratings. And sometimes the news folks do their own kind of bloodletting. Uh, a rather famous reporter once said, that there are three kinds of reporters, lap dogs, watch dogs, attack dogs. And this reporter said that reporters are supposed to be watch dogs, but more and more today they are acting like attack dogs. I read something a long time ago, and it so impressed me. Times haven't really changed a lot since I read this. And I wish I could give you the author of this, but I don't know who it, I just cut it out and I kept it, but I can't tell you who wrote it. But it, 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 it's, it's a great truth. And it's, listen to this. The truth is, talking about us, not about me, talking about us. The truth is, we live in a time of taller buildings, but shorter tempers, wider freeways, but narrower viewpoints, higher incomes, but lower morals, more knowledge, but less wisdom. Fancy houses, but more broken homes. We have conquered outer space, but not inner space. We've learned to make a living, but not a life. Added years to our life, but not life to our years. We spend too recklessly, drive too fast, laugh too little, anger too quickly, condemn too harshly, stay up too late, get too tired, read too little, watch too much television, or iPhone it, and pray too seldom. I don't know who wrote that, but that's powerful stuff, isn't it? powerful stuff to our country and to me, you know. When will we ever learn? When are you ever going to learn, Harold Babin? You know, when will we ever learn? You know, Jesus told us a long time ago that our harsh condemning judgments of others is a bad thing and it's going to end up boomeranging on us. It's just going to knock us in the head and make us less than we need to be. It all breaks God's heart. It breaks his heart. Do you know the two times that Jesus died? Excuse me, cried? At one time, he cried at the grave of his friend Lazarus. We remember that. But the other time he cried, Jesus cried. That's God in the flesh. He's standing on a hill looking at Jerusalem. And he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how, how I have sought to gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wing, and you would not. You would not let me. You, you heard our Bible lesson. Carl, great job. He talked about he talked about goodness. How do you defeat How do you defeat uh, How do you defeat evil? What did the book say? With goodness, strange way to fight it, huh? That's what it says. D. Well, let me ask you this: How do you define goodness, Church? I can go through all this book. And there are a lot, a lot of definitions, but this is a great one out of the Old Testament, out of Micah, out of Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? How about that, church? Walking humbly with God 
walking. And, and, and who are we walking with? Who are we walking with when we walk with God? Well, you know what little, the little letter First John says? It says, no one's ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is perfected in us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God. And God abides in them. That's the word of God. So he's connecting, we're connecting goodness with love. And, and, and Jesus, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. And you know, in John 15, 9, you know what Jesus said the night before he died? He, said, he looked at those, and he was telling them goodbye. It's always hard to say goodbye. And he was telling them goodbye. That night he said, I have loved you as the Father has loved me. You must go on living in that love. That's what he said. So what I'm getting through the scriptures and through Jesus is goodness and love are tied. I think there's only one norm which serves as a basis and foundation for goodness. Goodness. Are you good? You're a good person. You're a wonderful person. You're a good person. I love you for that. But the thing about goodness, the norm of goodness is unselfish love, in my opinion. And I think that's what the Bible says. Love sums up all the codes and all the ethical systems, folks. Love contains within itself the essence of goodness. Read the Sermon on the Mount. What's goodness there? Humble and unselfish love. Read the parables of Jesus. What's the goodness there? Seeking, forgiving, unconditional love. Look at the cross. What's the, what's the goodness there? Sacrificial, gracious, merciful love. Love God is what Jesus said. Love your neighbor. Love yourself in a proper way. Now, some folks are easy to love. Look, look around you in this room. You are easy to love. Just look at the people around you. Some people are easy to love. And some are not. Right? And some are not. Now, what do you do with the ones that are not easy to love? What do you do with an enemy? What did Jesus say do? Pray for them. Hmm. Pray for them. Don't like what they do, what they stand for, how they act. Pray for them. What if the whole world became like Jesus? Why don't you pray for that? So, God, that's a monumental task. Nobody says it's going to be easy, but we need to do our part to pray for it. Somebody asked me, did Jesus ever get mad? You bet he did, but he never got mad. He never got angry at anything done to him personally. On the cross, he didn't point his finger out there and say, I'll get you. No, no. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's what he said. No, no. Did he get mad? Yeah, he got mad. He got mad at injustice. He got mad when people were treated unfairly. He really got mad when you mistreated children. That really upset him. And, and he got mad when people were not open to truth and, and, and to love and to father. Now, now, church, look. What am I doing here? I'm preaching to the choir, right? Most all of you in this room agree with that the Lord is right, right? I don't know if anybody in here disagrees with him. But you know, a tremendous amount of hurt and alienation takes place, not because we disagree with Jesus, but because we're different. 
in some ways. And we have our differences and how things ought to be and the way those differences are expressed. You, you, you know, church, I'm sure you've known people who can express a very minor difference in such a way that it becomes a major issue. I know that you and I know people like that. It, 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 it's amazing, you know. I'll give you a story. Let me tell you a story. It's a true story. came out of when I served up in West Lachon. Two couples. I love them both. They told me the story. We kind of laugh about it now, but it wasn't laughable then. There's two couples in this story. Okay? They're headed for Dallas, I-20, out of Shreveport. They're driving down the road. Okay? Got a couple in front, a couple in the back, in the back seat. And so the husband's driving. He approached an exit, and he said, let's stop at this little place over here and get some coffee and a little rest. And his wife said, no. <laughs> Just like that. Not that greasy spoon place. You pick the most unsavory places to stop. Poor fellow, he just drove right on. You know. Then his wife turned and looked in the back seat. And she said to that couple, she said, you know, I don't know why, but he has absolutely no taste when it comes to choosing places to stay or to eat. You wouldn't believe some of the places we stop at. And then he said, but of course, she said, of course, you ought to understand his father was just like him. And, and on and on she went, you know, and she covered every possible lack of taste that that poor fellow might have. And, everybody, and the couple in the back said, Harold, we felt sorry for him. All he said was, let's stop and get a little coffee. <laughs> I, I mean, good gracious. Oh, by the way, they're still together. It's just not, it didn't go anywhere. But the question was, whether to stop. That, that was not the point. Or where to stop was not the point. It was how her difference was expressed. How easy it would have been for her to say, you know, that sounds good. We, we need a break. We need a cup of coffee. But that place doesn't look too comfortable to me, huh? Well, why don't we look for another place where we can rest and enjoy our coffee? Now, that, my friends, is an expression of love, an expression of love. And I've, there, there's another story that, that, that these are true stories. When you're in the ministry 50 years, you learn a lot of story, a lot of folk. Another story. How to had a girl, 25 years old. She wanted to marry a certain fellow. Parents didn't like the fellow. Well, so she so loved this person. And, 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 and he, he, you know, I think she should have probably listened to the objections, but he was a great fellow. So she pulled her parents into the living room, and she sat them down. And she said, you know, I love you, Mom and Daddy, more than anything in the world. I wouldn't want to hurt you or break your heart. But you've raised me to make decisions and uh, on my own, and I've made this decision. I think it's right for me, and I, I want you to be happy about it. But I want you to know, whatever, I'm going to love you, and I'm never going to stop loving you. And that's a, that's a Christ-like loving way to express our differences. So how do we acquire that ability, church? How, how do we get that spirit to express a Christ-like love in the world in which we live. Well, 
I think Ephesians 4.15 says it best, and I apologize. I should have put that on the screen, and I didn't, and that's my fault. But let me tell you what Ephesians 4.15 says to tell you how to do it. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into Christ. That's a wonderful word, grow up in every way into Christ. That, I believe, means following Christ. I think that's surrender and commitment to his life and to his ways. That's what I believe it is. And, and, and I think, you know, I, I think it's going to take a basic change in nature, our nature, in our nature, uh, to, to do this. You know, I, we don't have time to think sometimes about being nice or good or loving on the spur of the moment. In most significant moments of life, we react to what we are of what we are inside rather than acting analytically or logically. And so it takes a basic experience, I think, an experience to change our very nature, our very nature. This is what Paul is talking about in 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, that love chapter. You know, love is kind, love is pain. Y'all all all know that. I can't do that by myself. I need some help. And to get that kind of love... I got to have the help of God, and, and I got to ask Him for it. He's pretty good at answering prayers if I'm sincere. And the only way I think that we can love like this is, is by be, being reborn. That's an old term, isn't it? Being born again, being rebuilt, if you will, from within. And, and that's what the, old, the ancestors call salvation through Jesus Christ. Up until then, my dear friends, this kind of love doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. If and when you and I are rejuvenated by Christ, reborn this kind of love, the world will not understand it. And we will not understand it until we have it. And then we wonder where it came from. Well, we know where it came from if it happens. Well, this is the reason for old Nicodemus. Old Nicodemus, he comes to Jesus and says, Hey, you got something going here. What what do I need to do? He said, you need to be born again. Nicodemus said, I'm old. What are you talking about? I can't be born again. You need to be remade, rejuvenated. That's what he told Nicodemus. He said, you know, you know, Nicodemus, how does it have? The wind blows. You can't see it, but you feel it, and you see the effect of it. That's the way the Holy Spirit works. Well, if you go back to find out how that works for you and for me, I think we've got to do what the early disciples did. We've got to follow Jesus. That's what they did. You know, in the beginning, if you go back to Jesus' life, you see him calling people to his fellowship. And he made no theological declarations to them. He just said, follow me. Follow me, he said. And that was an invitation of which they accepted. They watched him. They listened to him. They meditated. You know what they said? In their hearts, this is what God meant human life to be like. They noticed his compassion for others, his belief in God's love, his faith in them, his joy, his gaiety, and his inward serenity. And that was a transforming friendship for them. And gradually, within that fellowship, they were changed. They were changed, men and women. And his love flowed through them out into the world. It did. Follow him. How do you do that, church? How you follow Jesus today? Well, first thing, you pick up that Bible. You pick up that Bible, you open it up and start reading it. Just look at it. You sit around a dining room table with your family or gather you some neighbors, you open up that Bible.
You start looking at it. You start reading. You say, what does this mean? What does this mean? You know? Somebody around the I don't know what it means. Let's call somebody. Well, call somebody. Somebody to give you maybe an idea or something. Hit you with a group of people. You're on a Sunday school class. Hey, got a lot of them going on around here. If you don't like any of those, start one. Hey, just start one. Get one yourself. Indeed. You know, study, work with the Bible. And then, to follow Jesus, pray. Get by yourself. Get on that old porch. Get on your porch in a swing or rocking chair and pray. Talk to God. Pull up a chair and put God in the chair and talk to him. And then, support your church. Come in here and pathway. Celebrate with the music. Celebrate with the word. Celebrate with the fellowship. Be a part of the church. Find you a job in this church and do it. You can't do everything, but maybe one thing. That'd be okay. Do it. And I think that's following Jesus. I really do. You know, when he was put to death, they came to regard it not as an execution by others, but rather self-giving on his part, which more clearly showed them the ways of love. If he could so easily have escaped the cross rather, uh, rather than die, that he, if he could escape that, rather, excuse me, than given up love, he could have done it. You know, he could have escaped the cross. We do know that. Couldn't do it. Love wouldn't let him. Loves you too much. Says, I'm going all the way with you. Indeed. And he would go to his uttermost and never forsake them in that love. Indeed. And the resurrection, it's hard to understand sometimes, but it proved to them that nothing can destroy love. Hey, folks, nothing. You can't be it. Can't destroy real love. You can work against it. You can dig at it, but you can't destroy it. And so his life, his death, his resurrection was pledged to me and to you and to all of us that we're in the hands of a God who's never going to let us down. Never going to let you off. And never going to let you go. That's the kind of love that's available to all who follow and who grow up in every way in Christ. Hey, hey, church, God loves you, and he does. Let's be in that number, will you? And let's be an expression of God's love. Thank you for listening. Let us pray. Father, Thank you. Thank you for your word that lifts us up with great love. Thank you for the service, the word that is proclaimed through music and through the word and through the handshake and the hug and the fellowship and the smiles. And thank you for reminding us of love. It is the ultimate goodness. We pray we'll go forth and share that. Always, in Christ's name, amen.